I don't know about you, but every once in a while when I just sort of get some headspace and there aren't kids running all around and things to do, my mind just wanders to strange places. And every once in a while, I just get a strange thought. And one of those places recently was I was just imagining what it would be like for someone from like the 1970s to be dropped down in our world today, you know? Like how cool that would be and how unique and, and the things that they would see, they just wouldn't understand, you know? Like I just imagine the 1970s guy walking through the grocery store and not understanding this Bluetooth technology that we all have now and just people having these little things in your ear that you can't hardly see and him just looking and seeing someone just having this conversation going on with himself, you know? Or what about just technology? Looking at just uh, us talking to our phones and some of you guys have those interactive TVs now where you can like wave at her Xbox, right? You just wave at her or you, you talk to it and the TV turns on, the Xbox turns on. When I was a kid, the first remote control I remember was actually attached by a wire to the VCR, okay? And so it was incredibly inconvenient, but great if you wanted to clothesline your sister. She was walking by. That was always a plus. She'd hit that floor hard, man. It was great. Um, I think about Google and Siri and all the information that we have available to us. Back in the day, front door of my house, there was a bookshelf. And on this bookshelf was a volume of encyclopedias which you would have to go to and find the right volume with the right letter attached to it and the right word in it. And then you'd have to find your way through to find anything out. Last night I'm putting my seven-year-old to bed and he decides this is a great time to talk about U.S. presidents. And so we started talking about U.S. presidents. He says, Dad, what number president was Abraham Lincoln? Was he 15 or 16? And I said, son, I have no idea. I, I don't know. But what did I do? I ran down to the encyclopedia and I got it off the shelf. No, I took out Siri. I said, Siri, what number president was Abraham Lincoln? And in like 0.2 seconds, she told us that Abraham Lincoln was the 16th president, sure enough. And so what a different world somebody from the 70s would drop into today when it comes to technology. But man, it goes way beyond that, doesn't it? It's just the world around us has changed so much. And I've heard a lot of people say, I've had conversations with some of you recently where people just say things like this, I can't believe how much the world has changed in my lifetime. You know, I can't believe, honestly, that the world has gotten to the point that it's gotten to in my lifetime. I mean, I'm 37, and I remember as a kid, this world being a really different place. Some of you guys aren't even that old here tonight, and you'd even say the same thing. I remember the world being a lot different when I was a kid, like, Yesterday, you know, like, like 10, 10 years ago, five years ago, some of you guys would say, but man, the world has changed so much. And what do we mean by that? I think that we just see the world getting darker. It just seems like more's going on and people are getting a little crazier and things are happening that are just mind blowing sometimes. And we turn on the news and we just can't believe the world that we find ourselves in. And you know what? As this starts to happen, people begin to have conversations like this. They start to say things like this. Is it the end of the world? Or some of the Christian lingo kind of saying the same thing is, is it the end times? Or is it the time when Jesus is coming back and going to return? And, and, you know, we can kind of get caught up in all kinds of things. And last week I tried to encourage you that we shouldn't be fearful because those conversations are being had. Some of us get really afraid. We kind of get kind of freaked out. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about dealing with this fear issue next week. But we get afraid and we get fearful and we start to think about what that could mean and we feel uncertain. And I just encourage you last week, don't give in to fear. And I encourage you last week, let's not be divided because you believe that this is the end times and you believe this isn't. And if you're not a Christian, you won't get this lingo for a second, but the Christians kind of understand uh, pre-trib or post-trib or some of these arguments that Christians have about the end of the world and all this stuff. Don't get divided. There's too much to do, right? We got to keep our focus 
on what God has for us. So don't get distracted with all that. And also don't get distracted with trying to calculate a date and a time when Jesus is coming back. Last week, I just tried to encourage you, instead of all that, really more importantly than all that, to just live every day like Jesus is coming back today. If we would just live that way, all that other stuff would take care of itself. And so I hope you're encouraged to do that. I know my week was different because I lived it with that thought running through my head. Live today like it's my last. Live today like it's the day Jesus is coming back. But until Jesus comes back, we look around at a dark world, don't we? We look around and we think to ourselves, what do we do here? Now, I realize we have Christians in the room, and I realize we also have some people that wouldn't say they're Christians in the room, and so I kind of want to talk to both groups throughout the message tonight. And I think as Christians, there are some options that we have before us and some, some things we may be tempted to do. One of them is to simply just run and hide, right? It's dark out there, man. Hide your kids, hide your wife, right? It's just feeling a little bit scary out there. I don't know what I want to do right now, but I'm just going to kind of run and hide. You know what? I don't think that's what God has for us to do. I think that would be for us to settle. That would be for us to to kind of run back and and shrink back in fear and just kind of cling and hang on until Jesus comes back. That's not what God has for us. I think another thing some of us might be tempted to do is just kind of numb out. Like just kind of pretend the world isn't as bad as it is. You know, still kind of stay engaged in culture, but just sort of numb out and, and maybe become a little bit apathetic and just kind of be like, hey, I know I'm good with God, so I'm not really worried about everybody else. That's just not what God has for us. Some of us older people in the room, maybe we just start to neglect some of the things we used to do when we were younger, you know? Some of the passion we had for God, some of the passion we had to be used by him to change the world. And so we can't let that happen. I think another thing some of us are tempted to do in this time and in this age is to kind of become more dark ourselves, to kind of let what culture is doing around us kind of pull us away from God and the things God has for us and, and almost pull us to what they're doing. And I just really want to encourage you that that's not the answer. That's not what you and I are supposed to do. And, and, and I know some of us, if we're real with ourselves, we would say, I'm, I'm, I know I'm doing that. I know I'm living that way. I, I'm almost purposefully aiming my life at things I know God wouldn't want me to aim my life at, and I'm becoming like the people around me that I shouldn't be, and that needs to change. But then there's others of us that maybe today we just kind of wake up a little bit and we realize that though we didn't plan it and though we didn't mean for it to happen, we're not living the way that God wants us to live, and we didn't even realize it was going on. Like We just got kind of pulled off course, little bit at a time, little step at a time. I was on a hike years ago with some buddies, and we were up on the top of this mountain upstate, and uh, it started to get a little dark out, and so my buddy said, I said, let's get back down to the cars, and my buddy said, let's get down the mountain without using the compass, and I said, I've seen this movie. (laughs) This is the one where I end up in the cabin with all the guy with with all the chainsaws, right? I don't know about that, but he convinced me, and so we start walking, and he says, Doug, I want you to tell us where to go. Yeah, great. Oh, awesome. This is going to go well. And so I start leading us down, and I'm trying to be like all Rambo out there. That tree looks familiar. Let's go left. And, you know, and so we're doing all that. And so we're walking down the mountain. And then eventually I was like, can you just please look at your compass? It's getting darker. I really don't want to get stranded up here and eaten by a bear or anything stranger. And so please, can we just figure this out? And so he took his compass out, and he says, okay, so you think we should keep going this way, right? I said, yeah. He said, okay, our car's over there. I had led us down the wrong side of the mountain. And it wasn't like as we were standing on the top of the mountain and I knew my car was over there, I just said, yeah, let's, let's do this. And I just turned around and went that way. No, it was just little step by little step. As it got darker out, we didn't look at our compass and we got pulled off course. And maybe that's a picture of many of us in the room 
It was just little step by little step we got pulled off course as the world's gotten darker. And we haven't been looking back to our compass, to, the, to Jesus, back to the, God's word. And we've just been getting pulled off course a little bit. And so none of those options is what God has for us. Every one of those options is to get off mission and it's to settle. And so no, we shouldn't run and hide. No, we shouldn't numb out. And no, we shouldn't become more and more like the world around us. And so what do we do? Well, that's what I want to talk with you guys a little bit about tonight. I want you to see what to do in this dark world. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is kind of an interesting thing for you to sort of be in here and tonight, because here I am talking to Christians about really making a difference in the culture around them. You're going, well, I don't know if I believe in this God, and I don't know if Jesus can be trusted, and I don't know about all this stuff, but this I know you know, okay? I know you know this. I know you know that doing things your own way is fun for a little while, and then it leads to emptiness. I know you know that because I know that. I've spent much of my life in the dark. I've spent seasons of my life doing things my way, walking away from what God had for me. And maybe you know what God has for you, maybe you don't. But as we do things that God doesn't want us to do, like I said, it's fun for a little time. The Bible says that sin is fun for a season. Doing things our way works for a little while. But eventually we wake up. And I spent years of my life in all kinds of impurity and in anger and in pride and in doubt and all these different kinds of things. And it worked for a while. But then I just became so miserable and so empty. And so tonight, I want to point you to the light. I want you to not sit here and feel like condemned because you're you know, living in the dark. No, I want to point you to the hope that is in the light. And so if you're a follower of Jesus... I want you to know what to do as the world around us is dark. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to point you to the light. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at Isaiah 60 today. And Isaiah was a prophet, and he lived, or rather his ministry began in about the year 740 before Christ, B.C. And so that's a long time ago. And so Isaiah, because he was a prophet, would understand things. God would show him things that hadn't happened yet. And this is a little confusing, so let me try to make this clear for you, okay? As we look at these few verses tonight, Isaiah is really talking about three different time periods in what he says, okay? Now, he's a prophet, and God's speaking to him about things in the future, so this is a little confusing. But in 740 B.C., Isaiah was talking about his own time period when he lived and the nation of Israel around him. But then he was talking about 750 years later when Jesus would show up on the scene. And then even beyond that, he was talking out to our day. And so what he says has a lot to do with what we're going through today. And what Isaiah was doing was he was looking at the darkness of his own culture in 740 B.C., and then he was looking at the darkness of the first century when Jesus would show up on the scene, and he even saw out into the darkness of our day thousands of years later. And what he says is so incredibly powerful. And so let's look at Isaiah 60, verse 1. Just one word to start us off. He says this. He says, arise. Arise. He doesn't say, run and hide, hide your kids, hide your wife. He doesn't say, numb out. He doesn't say, become like everybody else. He says, arise. He says, wake up. I mean, that's kind of like a battle call, man. That's like, let's do something. Let's get active. Let's wake up. Let's not just sit back. Let's not shrink back in fear. No, arise. And then he says this next verse, which we're going to spend a little, or this next word, which we're going to spend a little time on. He just says this simple word, shine. Okay, so arise, wake up, do something. And he says, shine. Well, what does it mean to shine? When you and I shine, it means we don't let our light fade. 
It means we don't become like the darkness around us. When we shine, we're unwilling to let our light fade. You see, here's what I want to encourage you. Don't look so much like culture around you that you stop standing out. That's a battle for every one of us, man. That's a struggle for every single one of us. And some of us even have the right intention. We're like, hey, I really want to relate to my friends who don't know God. So maybe if I go those places with them and I do some of those things with them, I'll be able to have a little bit more of of ability to relate to them. And I just want to encourage you, that's not God's way. God's way is for you and I to stand out in a good way, not in an annoying way, not in a way that pushes people away from Jesus, but in a way that attracts them. You see, light is helpful, right? When we turn light on, we can see. When we turn on light on, we know direction. When we turn light on, we can see ourselves clearly. We can see God clearly. And so light is helpful, not annoying. And so we need to stand out in a helpful way. Maybe this illustration will make a little bit of sense to you. Let's just say an amazing major league pitcher was willing to give you or I pitching lessons, okay? And we know this guy throws like 95, 100 miles an hour every time he gets on the mound. And so we get there, and we're all excited, and we can't wait to start seeing this guy just just throwing heat, right? And we're getting a little closer to him, and and he's already throwing and getting ready, and and we realize that he's not throwing all that hard. We say to him, what? What's going on here, man? You could throw like 100 miles an hour. Why are you throwing like 60, 70 miles an hour? He's like, well, I just figured you probably won't be able to relate to 95 or 100. So I'm just going to throw 70 for a while. What would you say to him? I know what I'd say. I'd be like, please throw 100. Please, man, shine. You know what's going to make me want to be more like you? Not when you throw 70. When you throw 100, man, throw heat. That's going to inspire me. That's going to make me want to emulate you. And I think that's a picture of some of us. That we're trying to get by being a light with like throwing 70. And God's going, throw 100. Stand out. Shine. Show the difference that I'm making in your life. Then I think the second thing we got to understand about what it means to shine is, so okay, it means to not let our light fade, but it also means that we don't hog the light to ourselves, Right? And Christians are great at hogging the light to themselves. It's like, wow, I found Jesus and I found a great church and I'm in a small group and we're doing all these great things. And, and it's like we hold the light in just for us when there's a world all around us that so badly needs it. When I was a younger lad, I was a youth pastor and I used to lead these trips to these places, these camps. We would go sometimes in the summer and, and we would go on these work trips at these terrible camps, terrible camps. And, and we would like tear down cabins or build cabins or do whatever they needed us to do. And this one year, we were at this cabin, and, and, and the famous story is our youth pastor, Joey, who was in like 7th, 8th grade back in the day. We, we walked into our cabin one night, and, and we flicked the light switch on, and there was a bat flying around in our cabin. And Joey turned into Aaron Rodgers and threw a perfect football spiral at the bat, hitting it against the wall, killing it. He is Batman. I hired him on the spot. I'm like, dude, when you graduate, you're my youth pastor, dude. Like, you saved my life, and you killed a bat, and you're probably Bruce Wayne. Okay, anyway. But we're here at this, this camp, right? And we're walking all around. And, and, man, I'm telling you, you're, like, out in the middle of nowhere. There's no, like, New York City light. There's, I mean, you're out in the middle of nowhere. It's pitch black. And I was a good youth pastor, which meant on the list, I said, please bring a flashlight. And, of course, 99% of them did not bring a flashlight. But there's always that one annoying kid who's got the best flashlight that they ever made. And it's like a billion lumens, and he's trying to land planes with it, right? But you know what he doesn't understand? He doesn't understand 
that he hogs the thing to himself. And this, I promise you, every kid that has this flashlight is always like out in front and he's trying to find his way. And all the kids are behind. They're tripping over rocks and stumps and falling in lakes. And it's like, dude, can you please walk with me so that you can light up the way so I can see a little bit here? And that's what we're supposed to do as Christians. We're supposed to not be off in our own little corner, you know, blazing our own little trail. We're supposed to be walking with people through life, shining the light so they can see and stop tripping over stuff and stop getting caught up and falling. That's what God's called you and I to be. And so we can't hog the light to ourselves. And so we got to make sure we don't let it fade because the world's not impressed with that. That's not what they need. And we got to make sure that we don't hog the light to ourselves. And then Isaiah tells us why. He says this. He says, this is why we can be a light. Look what it says. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Your light has come, the glory of the Lord rises upon you. So Isaiah is saying this, okay? You should be a light because the light of God is in your life. God has made a difference in your life. You can shine a light brightly because God has shined his light brightly on you. Now, this is interesting here because what Isaiah was saying here is different for the people in his day than in our day, okay? It's easier for you and me to shine our light than it would be for the people in Isaiah's day to shine their light. Why? Because the light that we've seen is a lot better than the light they saw. And the glory we've seen is a lot better than the glory they've seen. What do I mean? Well, they, back in the day, lived before Jesus came and died on a cross and rose back from the dead. And so Isaiah is telling the people of Israel, hey, God's shown up in your life. I mean, he parted a sea. He's provided for you all these years. He's shown himself to you over and over again. As you read the Old Testament, you see God coming through. And so Isaiah is saying, hey, God shined his life for you, and you've seen some of his glory. But guys, we live on the other side of the cross and the resurrection. And so the light we've seen is a risen Savior. The glory we've seen comes from God who died in our place and rose back from the dead. And so the light and the glory we've seen is so much better. And so Isaiah, who was a prophet, he would write about the fact that a Savior was coming. But we get to look back and say a Savior did come. You know what I mean? Isaiah wrote Isaiah 53, okay? And if you're not a follower of Jesus, you need to check that out. We'll give you a Bible tonight if you don't have it. You need to check out Isaiah 53 because he so perfectly describes what Jesus would go through on the cross 750 years before Jesus came. He perfectly describes a crucifixion, and in 750 BC, there was no such thing as crucifixion as a capital punishment. And so he perfectly describes, God just opens his eyes to see what Jesus would one day come and do. And you feel like somebody must have been standing at the foot of the cross writing that, right? As cool as that is, you and I have something better. We don't have Isaiah saying, hey, this is, this, hopefully this is going to come and happen. Hopefully a Savior is going to come. No, we have people who actually were standing at the foot of the cross, writing about a Savior who died in our place and rose back from the dead. And so the light you and I have seen and the glory that you and I have known is so much better. What, what kind of news is, more, is, is easier to get people excited about? Something that might happen or that you hope will happen or something that has happened? Man, something that has happened, Right? I mean, for years I heard this conversation going on on Long Island. Did you hear there's going to be a Chick-fil-A on Long Island? For years, right? You heard that. And then somebody like, oh, yeah, when's it opening? And then, oh, yeah, it's next month. And then it gets next month. And it's like, did it open yet? No. And you just saw part of them die. But, but, but now, now, 
Chick-fil-A is here and you can experience it. And I've been, I've seen the light and the glory out there. And you can experience it and you can go out there. And some people are like, man, I've been eating there every day. They're closed on Sunday, man. Christians honoring the Sabbath, whatever, you know. But it's amazing because now you can get people really pumped. In fact, I could be like, you know, I mean, back in the day, I could have been like, yo, it's going to be great when Chick-fil-A's out there, we can roll out there. And it's kind of like, oh, yeah, that'd be fun, you know. But now if I was like, listen, man, I'm taking everyone in the Chick-fil-A tomorrow on me. I'm not. But if I, if I were to say that, everybody would be like, yeah, let's go experience this together right now. And that's the beauty of what we've experienced because we're not looking forward to Jesus coming. We're, we're looking back to what he did. We're looking back to the fact that our Savior already came. And so when you talk to someone about this light that's in you, about what Jesus has done in your life, you don't have to say, hey, hopefully a Savior's coming one day. No, you can say a Savior came and changed everything in my life. And so the light that you and I have to shine is so much more powerful than what Isaiah and the nation of Israel could have shined back in the day. Now we get to kind of an intense verse, and it seems dark, but then we get to some hope, okay? Verse 2, Isaiah says this, See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. What he's saying here is, the world's dark. Isaiah was being just real. Man, I look at my culture, world's dark. He looks out to Jesus, the time he would come 750 years later. Man, that world's dark. Looks out to our day, world's dark. Darkness covers the earth and is over the peoples. And you think about the world we live in. You know, I mean, when I was a kid, if you wanted to look at pornography, you had to go to the store and buy a magazine. And now it's available on every single device in our pockets right now, isn't it? You think about just the impurity and you think about all the things that have gone on in our world, and the struggles with drugs, and the struggles with all the things happening. And it's like, man, the world is a dark place. But you know what? First off, if you're struggling with any of the things I just mentioned, then I want you to know, like I said earlier, we're not here to condemn you for living in the dark. We're here to point you to the light that God can pull you out of drug addiction. God can pull you out of pornography struggles and impurity, all these different things. That's what he's doing in our lives. But the other thing I'd say, if you're a follower of Jesus, is that Isaiah lived thousands of years ago, and what he saw was darkness over all the earth and covering all people. And yet the light still shined, didn't it? And when Jesus came in the first century, it was dark, and there were terrible things happening to the point that they took the Son of God and put him on a cross. It was a dark time, and yet the light still shined, didn't it? And so here in 2015, we live in a dark world, and it's a dark place, and I, I think about my kids and the world they're growing up in, and it's scary, but you know what? The light still has to shine. And and that's the beauty of the next part of this verse. He says, hey, I see this darkness, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. And so Isaiah is saying, look, Israel, and look, 2015 Christians, there's darkness everywhere, but the Lord is upon you and his glory appears over you. God's with you. Don't be afraid. Don't shrink back. Don't stop. Don't blend in. Don't numb out. Don't run and hide. No, God's with you, and he's so much bigger, and he's so much stronger, and he's got so much more power than all that darkness added together. And here is the clincher. You ready? That's really encouraging, what we just read. But what Isaiah couldn't say is this, in this verse is the most powerful thing we have to talk about in the next few minutes. You know what Isaiah didn't say in this verse? He said, hey, you know what? The Lord rises upon you. His glory appears over you. You know what he didn't say? He didn't say his glory is in you. He didn't say the Holy Spirit is in you because at that time in history, 
the Holy Spirit wasn't in followers of God. The Holy Spirit was placed on some followers of God for certain things. Like David had the Holy Spirit on him for a season, and Isaiah, when he would prophesy, would have the Holy Spirit on him for a season. But you and I have the Holy Spirit in us. And so it's not just that the Lord rises upon us and his glory appears over us. Man, his glory is in us. And so how much more than what Isaiah was able to tell his people in his day should we be getting excited about shining brightly in our world? Because he's in us, not just over us and upon us. Some of us draw from a strength within. It's not the Holy Spirit, it's caffeine. Is that true? And I'm not a coffee guy, but you guys know I'm a Dr. Pepper guy. And years ago, I was unloading my groceries out of my trunk, and one of the glorious bottles of two-liter Dr. Pepper fell out and, and upside down fell and hit my driveway, and it landed right on the cap. And the pressure of that explosion actually shot the Dr. Pepper clear across my street. And it was probably the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I can tell you this, that Dr. Pepper was over and upon me. But it wouldn't power me like it would when it's in me, right? And the same is true with the Holy Spirit. Thousands of years ago, Holy Spirit was over them, great, upon them. But today, the Holy Spirit is in you and me. And so we can shine in a way that Isaiah never dreamed. The next part, verse 3, says this, Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Now that's a promise to the nation of Israel, okay? But what this is saying is, is that when we shine, people are going to be drawn. When we shine the light that God has placed in our lives, people are going to be affected. You know, so don't take this, don't start praying Isaiah 3, like, God, you said in your word that kings are going to come and know you through me. Now, that's a promise to the nation of Israel, but we can know that the principle applies. That as you and I shine brightly in a dark world, that people's lives are going to be changed and people are going to be impacted. They're going to put their trust in him. And so the simple thought that I have for you, I think what Isaiah has been driving at here is this, is that the darker it gets, the brighter we shine. That's what we've got to rally around. The darker it gets in our world, the brighter we shine. Not the darker it gets, the more we run. Not the darker it gets, the more we numb out. Not the darker it gets, the more we become like everybody around us. No, the darker it gets, the brighter we shine. I'm one of those really annoying people that likes Christmas all year long. And so yesterday I rallied my family and we put our outside Christmas lights up. And my neighbor Nick is a Christian and, and, and he got into his car and he texted me from his car and he said, I just got unsaved seeing Christmas lights up before Thanksgiving. And I said, come to the light, Nick. Come to the light. But we were out there putting our Christmas lights up. And we started at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And so... Several times as I was putting those lights up on the trees with the kids and stuff, I said this statement, and I wasn't thinking about the message at all, but I made this statement like over and over again, and we put lights up, and then I would say, you know what, guys, we have to wait for it to get darker to see if we put all the lights in the right spot. Now, why is that true? That's true because the darker it gets, the brighter they shine. And the same is true with you and me. The darker it gets, the brighter that we are supposed to shine. Not we're supposed to get afraid, but no, this is when we even get brighter. The darker it gets, the more we stand out. Again, in a good way, in a helpful way, in a way that points people to Jesus, in a way that brings hope to people who are hopeless. The darker it gets, the brighter we shine. So if you look at it that way, 
this is our greatest hour. This is our greatest opportunity. With a world that's getting darker around us by the moment, we should be getting brighter by the moment. And remember, we live on the other side of the cross. We live on the other side of the resurrection than Isaiah did. And we have the Spirit not upon us or in, around us, but in us. And so you and I should be shining in unbelievable ways. And we're not going to get it perfect, and we're going to mess up sometimes. And you know what? I know the number one thing that will probably keep us from shining as brightly as we could is our own mistakes and our own flaws. And I just want to encourage you that our job is not to be perfect, but to point people to who is perfect. And so please don't rule yourself out because he's messed up this week. So have I. If, if, if being used by God was determined by whether we messed up or not, then none of us would ever be used. I wouldn't be on the stage right now, that's for sure. And so please don't rule yourself out. There are so many people around that need you. And my guess is that 95% of us here in the room today would say that we're here not because we heard some message on a radio station or we saw a bumper sticker and gave our life to Jesus or anything like that. I would guess 95% of us are here because a person shined in our life. And that person wasn't perfect, weren't they? They had their flaws. And yet God still used them. And so God so desperately wants you and I to shine brightly in this time. And so how do we do this? Well, like I said earlier, we we don't let our light fade. Don't believe the lie that if we compromise on on our holiness, that will be more relatable. And the world will somehow come to know Jesus as we become more and more dark. That's That's not the strategy. That's not what will work. We need to, like Jesus, live a life that's going to draw people to go, how do, how do they have that peace and how do they have that joy? And you know what? That peace and that joy doesn't come or exist when we're compromising. It's there when we shine and when we're living the way that God's called us to. And we can't hog the light to ourselves. We have to be willing to shine it around and do life with people who are tripping all around us and so desperately need the hope of God. And so we serve them. We serve them. I think this is the greatest thing we could do. Why do you pay attention to Jesus? Because he served you. He got on a cross in your place. Let's say Jesus never did that for us. How many of us would have our faith in Jesus if he'd never gotten on a cross? I don't know. I don't know any of us would. But he served us. He showed us how much he loves us. And that got our attention. And so you and I, how can we serve people? I really want you to think about this this week. I would love for you to walk out of this room tonight with a person in mind that you're going to serve this week. What professor, what, some, what person from your school, what person in your family, what neighbor, what boss, what coworker, how, who could you serve and how could you serve them? What could you do just to show them the love of God? Again, this doesn't mean you have to you know, preach this long message, but how could you just show them that you love them and how can you just shine brightly for them? You guys know my, my number one evangelism strategy is called a snowblower and lots of snow in winter because I love to go around to my neighbor's homes and just hit their driveways, man, just, just help them and serve them. And I've gotten to know my neighbors by doing that. And so that's kind of my thing. How do you do it? How, who, how could, wow, who could you serve this week? How could you get involved in someone's life showing them what it might be that, wow, I want to show you I love you. I want to show you God loves you. I want to shine. I want to show you I'm not about just myself, but Maybe for you, it's just a conversation. Maybe there's someone in your class or at your workplace, and they're always by themselves. What if you just said hi? What if you just included them in something this week? Maybe it's serving a family member, man, you've been at odds with, and you would love for them to know Jesus, but it's been like World War III lately in your house. What if you humble yourself, and you go in there, and you serve, and you show love, 
and you show the love of Christ. I just wonder, I don't know what it is for you. You guys fill in your blanks. You're way more creative than me. You know your circumstances and your situations and what people need. But if we were to serve and if we were to show love, that's the number one thing I think we could do to shine brightly. When they take those Operation Christmas Child boxes we put together and they hand them to those kids, do you know what will happen? Every single one of them will listen to what those people have to say. Why? Because we've shown them we love them. If, if the same people walked to and tried to talk to the same kids, they probably wouldn't see nearly as many kids interested in hearing about Jesus. But because we've loved and we've served, we've got their attention. And we can point them to the hope that's changed our lives. And so who can you serve? How can you serve this week? Can I encourage you just to pray for them? Just to be praying. With our technology, would you set a, a note or an alarm on your phone to go off once a week, once a day, whatever it might be. Just, hey, pray for this person. Pray for this person that you love. I would say also we are in an amazing season for inviting people to church. Between the women's tea and then our Christmas services, we have invitations that are going to be coming for the Christmas services over the next few weeks. And, man, that's, we're so excited. We've been working hard on the Christmas special. My message is ready to roll. Our teams are excited. We're ready. We want to partner with you to reach your friends. Just think about this for a second. Who would you love to have with you sitting in the seat next to you at the Christmas service? Just praying for the next month. God, would you draw them? God, would you give me boldness? God, would you give me opportunities to make a difference in their lives? And so you and I have an amazing opportunity right now. And if we'll have the guts to live it out, you know what'll happen? Verse three will happen. People will be drawn. The light will attract people. Not every person, but the light will attract people as we shine brightly. And so I encourage you guys to walk out of here with a little bit of a game plan tonight, to know what your next step is, to know how to shine brightly. We gotta not be willing to just hear a message, but we gotta act on it. That's the whole message. This is Isaiah's deal. Arise, shine. We gotta go do something. We gotta make a difference outside these walls. And so what family member, what friend, what neighbor, what coworker, what person from your school will you serve and love this week? And will you pray for them this next month? And will you invite them to come and see what God might do in their lives? It's not our job to save. It's our job to shine. Jesus does all the saving. We just shine. And so let's do that with all we got. If you're not a follower of Jesus, as we've talked about this, as we've talked about how doing things our own way so often kind of just leaves us empty, I just think back on those times in my life when I've done things my way, and those were by far the worst times in my life. I've been through difficult stuff in my life, man, but those were the worst when I was far from my Savior. And Jesus wants you to be close to him, and that's why he died for you, and he rose again. And I just know some of you guys are out there, and you're just you know, trying your way, trying your way. And maybe some of you are in the phase where your way is working because it's kind of fun right now, but the day's going to come when the emptiness rolls in. And some of you guys are already at that empty phase. One of my best friends growing up, was a guy named Frank, and he and I were in bands together, and we grew up in church together, and we just had a blast doing life together. But when he was probably late high school, early college years, he decided for a season that he was just going to kind of do things his way. And so he kind of ran from God for a while, and he headed right into the party scene, and he got in there and just went for it. And after a few months of that, he came running back to God. And we sat and talked, and I said, what was going on? Like, what happened? What did you experience? And he said, He said, here's the worst of it. He said, I was with a girl, and we were in a club, 
and I was wasted out of my mind. And some guy came up to her and just started to talk to her. Just started talking to this girl I was with. And I jumped up and I began to punch him in the face over and over and over again. Just this rage came out of me until his face was filled with blood and he fell down. And in that moment, I said to myself, what am I doing here? This is not satisfying me. This is not the life I want to live. And I don't know if any of you are in a similar place. You may not be anywhere near there. But what I can tell you is that as you and I run from the light and we run from what God has and we do things our way, we get to that place of emptiness and we get to that place where we're just not satisfied and we realize it's not working. And that's because you were, you were created to know a Savior and you were created to be satisfied by God. And so tonight, if you want to put your trust in him, I would encourage you to do that. And if you're not ready to do that, then I would ask you, just keep coming back. If you don't like our church, we'll help you find a great church that you'll fit in and be able to continue to ask questions about God. But please, if you're not ready tonight to make that step, there's a God who loves you so much. He, he got up on the cross for you to die in your place, and he wants you to be satisfied and know him. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love to pray with you in a minute if you'd like to put your trust in him. And if you are a follower of Jesus, what's your next step? Who are you going to serve? How are you going to serve them and love them? Who are you going to be praying for? Who are you going to be inviting to the Christmas services or the Christmas tree or whatever it might be? And let's see what God might do. Because we live in a scary world. We live in a dark world. But the darker it gets, the brighter we shine. Let's pray. So Lord God, we're just so thankful to you today, Jesus, that you even want us to shine for you, that you want us to represent you, God, that an imperfect guy like me, you want to work through, and imperfect people sitting in the seats here tonight, you want to work through every single one of us, and so we just thank you for that, and we just pray for your help, God. We pray we won't be fearful, and we won't back down, and we won't numb out, and we won't run and hide, and we won't become dark like everything and everyone around us, God, but that, Lord, you would help us to shine brightly. And so help us, God. If you're a Christian, can you take a second and begin to think and pray about what your next step is, how you can shine, how you can be that light. Maybe some of us need to ask God to forgive us of some things because we have sort of been throwing the ball 70 instead of throwing it 100. We have sort of been compromising and settling, trying to relate, trying to be relatable, trying to fit in. We're just really struggling. We need to bring that stuff to God tonight. I just want to encourage you, you may serve somebody or love somebody this week and they may not, you know, get down on their hands and knees in your school and start praying and asking Jesus to be their savior. But maybe in a year or so, when they're going through it and life's falling apart, they go, you know what? The one person I could think to talk to right now is that person who shined a little bit in my life and gave me some hope. And maybe a year from now, they come back to you. You never know what God could do or how he'll use you. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, then tonight I would love for you to put your trust in him if you'd like to. And so you could just say a prayer quietly between you and God, something like this. Jesus, thank you so much for dying in my place. Would you satisfy me? Would you shine in my life so I could shine in others' lives? I put my trust in you tonight. I ask you to forgive me for all that I've done that's wrong. I invite your Holy Spirit into my life that your glory and your light would dwell in me and would shine through me. Thank you for this gift in your name.